Welcome to the When Everything is Missions podcast with Matthew Ellison from 1615 Church Missions Coaching and Denny Spitters from Pioneers USA. This monthly podcast is inspired by the book When Everything is Missions. Now, here is Matthew and Denny. Hello, this is Matthew Ellison, and this is our very first podcast. I'm pretty excited about it. I am the president of 1615. We do something called Church Missions Coaching. We mobilize churches to reach the nations. And I am with a good friend of mine, Denny Spitters. Denny, tell us about your role at Pioneers. Yes, I'm a, I am lead a team called the Church Partnerships Team with Pioneers. And Pioneers is an international uh, sending organization, uh, strictly sending people to the unreached. So, Denny, we have a book in front of us today that we've been working on for about three years, When Everything is Missions. And maybe you could let our audience know what was the impetus for the book? Why did we write this book? Yeah, you know, I, I remember you and I had a lot of conversations about what we see happening in the church and uh, in the U.S., uh, especially because you work with a lot of different churches, and I do too. We have about 3,500 sending and supporting churches at Pioneer, so we see a wide variety of different churches. And uh, I remember several times um, after some events us talking about Um, what we were observing in missions and how the landscape was changing pretty radically, pretty fast. Yeah. Something that we hear on a regular basis, I think that really, again, was a a prod for us to write this book, is this philosophy that says everyone is a missionary and every good or altruistic work is a missions work. And and I get it in some sense, right? We live in an increasingly post-Christian world today. Right. Europe's post-Christian, America's yep. post-Christian. And this is changing the way we do ministry in our own context. And so what came out of this was this missional philosophy that said, hey, let's get out of the church. Let's be salt and light all around us. But sadly and unfortunately, what also came with the missional philosophy is this idea that everyone's a missionary. And, and I would say the reason we wrote this book is because when it comes to the Great Commission, there's great confusion. Yeah. And the priority Absolutely. of engaging cross-culturally, the priority, which is what Jesus gave us, the mandate was to make disciples of all the nations, it's obscured. Yeah. And so missions gets marginalized. When we call everything missions, as Stephen Neal said, nothing's missions. Yeah, I, I can remember several of our conversations uh, kind of coming out of the frustration of watching people who had a passion to go to the nations and then approach their churches and say, God's really speaking to my heart to go to a Muslim context or a Hindu context and bring the gospel where the gospel is unknown. And the response was kind of lukewarm to, well, everybody's a missionary and you're in mission on mission with God in your context. So just keep, you know, being a disciple maker here and eventually maybe something will happen. So a very unintentional Mm -hmm. kind of connectivity or approach to the whole thinking uh, that the gospel is to go um, not only to all the nations, but the disciple part of it was actually said, disciple to the nations, disciple the nations. That's right. In fact, one of the things we unpack in the book is this idea that in the commissioning statement of Jesus, specifically the Matthew 28 one that you just mentioned, uh, make disciples of all the nations, makes not even in the original language. It's, it's added yeah. for the sake of grammar. The verb is a transitive verb. It's disciple. 
And it only makes sense if it's referring to an object. So let's try this, Denny. Denny, disciple. Uh, who, what? <laughs> right. Who or what? It, it only makes sense if it's pointing to an object. Correct. And the object is all the nations. And sadly, right. so many churches in America have domesticated the Great Commission by leaving off the object, which is the nations. And as a result, we have 7,000 unreached people groups today uh, living in darkness and the shadow of death. And they're unreached, not because they're unreachable, but we've made the decision not to reach them. Yeah, I, you know, I want to talk just to briefly, we, we've had a lot of discussion about how we appreciate the missional movement. Yeah, that's good. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what do we appreciate about it? The emphasis on making disciples, not simply converts. Yeah. And of really having people who are committed, a disciple is a follower, a follower of Jesus, mm-hmm. and are committed to that and are living that day to day, not just a Sunday show up the rest of the week is mine kind of thinking. Mm-hmm. So some really good things have come out of the missional movement. However, what has been truncated significantly is the gospel. The gospel has been relevated, uh, relegated to um, kind of being stuck here within yeah. our own context. And even seeing next door people groups, so to speak, that even have come to America here is kind of, it's beginning to be woken up to, but that's kind of somebody else's job. It's all about being Mm -hmm. on mission in your own context. And it's pretty narrow. And I think that you and I would often talk about, well, you know, we've seen 15 to 20 years of this. What are the results? Yeah, it's a good point. I, I mean, to be honest with you, if all it took to really make missions happen was for everybody to take a title then, and if everybody acts like a missionary, thinks like a missionary, then missions will happen. Mm-hmm. I think it's absurd. Yeah. So, Danny, let's address the big question. Is everyone a missionary? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to just put it on the <laughs> yeah, table yeah, for yeah. you. So, we hear it all the time. I mean, it is pervasive. Yes. Everywhere I go in evangelical, yes. you know, America, everyone's a missionary. So, is it biblical? Is it helpful? Tell us. Yeah. Well, I would say if everybody is a missionary, then everybody also is a pastor, Mm. is an elder. I mean, we're talking about missionary in terms of an apostolic role. Small a. Small a. Yes. Correct. And by apostolic role, I mean the fivefold uh, gifts that were given in Ephesians for to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, apostolic, um, prophetic, and evangelistic primarily being given for the purpose of reaching out beyond the church as we know it. So when we talk about the word missionary, it is in the Bible. Well, the word itself is not, but the role is. And I think that's a big piece. And that's where people like get hung up a lot. Uh, So... Apostle is the word, which means simply one who is sent. Right. Or another way of looking at it, other translations would say expendable ones. Right, right. (laughs) So there's this whole idea that somebody is crossing a culture, crossing barriers, crossing where the gospel does not yet exist. We see this in Romans, in Paul's heart, in Romans chapter 10, the whole idea of desiring to plant, um, to make disciples and plant churches where there are none. Yeah. To the, the, the frontier piece, the pioneer piece, it, the, 
uh, to the edges, beyond uh, the borders, so to speak, of our world. It's the Romans 1520 passion. It has always been my ambition, Paul said, to take the gospel where it's yes. never been proclaimed. And so we see this in scripture that Paul is on the leading edge of taking the gospel cross-culturally to places, as you said, where the church doesn't exist. But you have Peter and Timothy who are growing and building the church where it does exist, and yep. both are necessary. And I think that's something I want to hit on by really challenging people to preserve a, a place for this missionary being a sent out one across yes. the culture. We're not saying it's more important work per se, because the church needs both. Yes. It really is about a rank, right? I mean, a, a role, not a rank. A role, not a rank. I think that's really the critical piece. And, and if you're going to call everybody's, if you're going to define everybody mm -hmm. as a missionary, I think that you're going to have to come up, and, and many have tried so far, to come up with a new term for missionary, that, that person who does cross cultural barriers to bring the gospel where there's, there is no um, existing church or group of mm -hmm. believers that are able to carry the gospel forward within that ethnocentric yeah. um, culture, within that unique language, within that tribe. And that's a significant and important piece. Yeah. It really is. You know, I want to share an illustration that I've been using for a couple of years now, and I think it really illuminates to people what Jesus meant when he said, make disciples of all the nations. Mm. So it's considering the difference between a pancake and a waffle. Okay, right? yeah. If the goal of missions was simply to win as many people to Jesus as we possibly could, okay, which a lot of people think that's what the Great Commission is. We believe it's something more specific, and I think the Bible reveals that. But if that were the goal, let's just win as many people to Jesus as we could, we might view world missions like pouring syrup on a pancake. Imagine the pancake represents the world and the syrup represents the gospel. And so let's just start pouring in the same place. And eventually we're going to hope that that syrup spreads yeah, out and finally permeates, just saturates yeah. the pancake. My kids love it like that, right? Yeah. But when we understand that the marching orders of Jesus were to make disciples of all the nations, a better metaphor or illustration is to view the world as a waffle. And every square within the waffle represents every unique language, ethnic group, culture, and we know there's about 11,751 of those people groups on planet Earth today, 7,000 of them, almost 3 billion people unreached. Well, in order to get syrup to permeate the waffle, you can't just pour the syrup in the center of the waffle. Um, the crispy edges create a barrier that yeah. prevents the syrup from naturally just flowing to the outer edges. So if you want to saturate a waffle with syrup, what do you got to do? You got to keep pouring it all. You've got to move the syrup yeah. and pour it into every square. And that's yeah. what the Great Commission is. It's about seeing the gospel planted intentionally within every nation, tribe, and tongue. And it's the religious, ethnic, cultural barriers that create those edges that make it hard for it to spread naturally. Yeah. Um, I like that illustration. I, I like what a good friend of yours and mine has passed away. Um, David Mays talked about. Yes. Uh, you talked about how you don't separate um, in Matthew 28, the go and make disciples of all nations. You don't separate make disciples of all nations from one another. It's impossible. And yes. he says when we do that, it's like a drunk using a lamppost for a prop instead of for illumination. Yeah. It completely changes the way that you look and truncates, actually, the passage significantly. And so, you know, our goal, once again, is, I mean, we've talked about this a lot. People have kind of accused us, well, you're with Missions, Inc. 
Mm-hmm. So, you know, you represent agencies and organizations that are trying to motivate the church in, in mission. So you, you've got a dog in the, in the hunt, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're just defending something that's been traditional and today is a whole new way of doing missions. How do you, rep- how do you reply to that? What do, you, what do you say to people that are saying you're just trying to kind of uh, defend your position? Yeah, I, I think I would say we need to figure out what God's position on missions is. <laughs> this is not about defending my position or Denny's position. When Jesus gave the Great Commission to the church, did he give clear marching orders to us? Or does he just intend us to fill in the blanks and do whatever we want to do? I don't think he did. I think he was yeah. He was communicating something distinct and clear. And, and how about this? Let's go to the book of Revelation. Yeah. Okay, let's look at Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. This is the great end to which all of history is moving. And what do we see? The Lamb of God slain from the foundations of the world, and what's surrounding him is the reward of his suffering. Yeah. It is a multitude that no one could number from every language, tribe, and tongue. That's the end of history. And it's the Great Commission's fulfillment that gets us there. So so part of it, I think, is looking ahead and saying, what's the end of history? Well, that's it. So how do we align our lives, our labors, our churches with this mandate that Christ has given? That's my heart, is that people would read this book and say, I want to be a part of what God is doing in the fulfillment of history's greatest movement. I don't want to miss out anymore. And again, when everyone's a missionary, I think you miss out. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're at a a point in time where— Again, people pick and choose little pieces here or there of the Bible to kind of justify. Uh, for instance, everybody's a missionary. Um, pretty much everybody takes John twenty twenty one. Yes, the Father has sent me, so send I you. Right. I think it's very important that as we're talking about this, again, we're not saying that there's only a select few people that can be engaged in missions. Not Is at all. that what you're saying? Yeah. Because, I mean, you coach— uh, churches in this process. So, well, there's certain people that are really good at this, and then the rest of the people who aren't. Obviously, not everybody is a Paul, Barnabas, John, Mark going out, right, being right. sent out from a church. So, uh, how does that work exactly? Yeah. So, when we challenge people to consider a biblical definition of missions, again, and, and we believe that is taking the gospel to all nations, it's cross cultural. And when we challenge the idea that everyone's a missionary, we're not saying that you're off the hook now. Right. Everyone has a role to play. Not everyone's called to go. Not everyone's gifted to go by the Holy Spirit to cross cultures. But everyone has a role. And we see this in the book of Philippians, right? Um, a friend of mine says the book of Philippians is really a missionary letter from Paul the missionary to his sending church. And in that book, there's these roles that are identified. They prayed for Paul. They provided finances for Paul. They provided hospitality to Paul when he was on furlough, as it were, when he was coming home to get refreshed. They sent an encourager. His name was Epaphroditus. He went out and delivered a love gift to Paul in prison, this frontline missionary in prison. And he delivered the love of the church in Philippi to Paul. And so, again, there's more than just that. But I would say everybody has a role to play. And that's the beauty of missions is God has included everyone in the family business, right? Yes. Um, Yeah, I think that that's something that's very, very important as we think about what missions really is, is that we understand that nobody uh, is excluded, that the entire body of Christ is involved in the process, Mm -hmm. that we're 
all disciples, not just a few, and that Jesus commands all the five great commissioning statements are all a part of what we're to take and we're to own and we're to engage ourselves. But we're supposed to do that as well. I think the Bible, we've had this discussion about how we see so many people kind of doing it kind of as lone rangers on their own Mm -hmm. outside of a local church, outside of a local body. Mm -hmm. But we're not talking about that kind of missionary endeavor, are Mm. we? No. And what would you say is a good biblical descriptor of what that could look like? Of of a church that came behind? Yeah, a church that comes behind and really supports— and is a part of that whole process of sending. I always go to Acts 13. Okay. It's an incredible passage. The leaders at the church in Antioch have set aside a season for worship and fasting. And it's in the context of worshiping and fasting that God gives them instructions about their cross-cultural purpose. This is where the missions movement really began in earnest is in Acts chapter 13. And the elders identified these gifts. They responded to the Holy Spirit. They affirmed him. They sent them. And there was resources provided. The whole church came behind them. And then I love, fast forward to Acts chapter 14, where they come home from their very first missionary journey and they pull the church together and it says they rehearsed the work that God had done. Mm. They rehearsed that work to the church. Why? Because that whole church was behind sending Paul and Barnabas. And so they were giving feedback on impact, if you will. They were testifying to the church, you made this possible. So I think that's a beautiful biblical picture of that. Yeah, that's an excellent one. So here's the thing. I want this book to create tension in the hearts and minds of readers because I think a lot of our missions, decisions, and actions are based on half-truths, assumptions, and even myths. So I hope you'll pick up the book. I, I think it'll challenge anyone who reads it. And really, uh, Denny, why don't you address that? What would you hope a reader might take away from this? What would be an outcome that you would want to see in a reader of this book? Well, I think the the um, the way that people are thinking today and whether they're used to hearing about missions is being told that everybody's a missionary. Again, I think there's a good reason for that. People are... Um, leaders are trying to motivate people in their body to share the gospel, to disciple people. However, just taking on that name, as we've said before, isn't going to change anything. Mm-hmm. The reality is, um, if you don't have a passion for Jesus, if you don't really desire to want to share the gospel, calling yourself something else yeah, with true. a title is <laughs> not going to not gonna really do anything. Yeah, true. Uh, and I would say there's something pretty fundamental going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the thinking that everybody is a missionary, which comes, I think, really from Christopher Wright. I mean, we've you said uh, that if everything is mission, nothing is mission. If everything the church does is to be classified as mission, we need to find another term. That's right. a famous quote from Stephen Neal. But Christopher Wright would say, it would seem more biblical to say, if everything is mission, everything is mission. Everything a Christian and a Christian church is, says, and does should be missional in its conscious participation in the mission of God in God's world. So basically he's saying everything the church does, Mm -hmm. no matter what that looks like, is mission. And when we start to go down that um, trail, 
it's so wide and so broad, it loses complete meaning. And we distort, and you've said this before, I think in your chapter, you say it guts the mandate for mission. And um, I think that's our greater concern overall. We've talked about that a lot. We see this happening regularly. We're in a new generation of pastors who are leading churches. Many of them are Gen X pastors now who are coming into that role. I talked with a good friend of mine the other day who said, I am watching missions being kind of chopped, missions pastors being let go one after the next after the next, and everybody in the body is being told, focus on doing mission in your own context. So there's a bit of a revolution that's really going on and it is a tension. And that's why we wrote the book to address that uh, tension and to get people to think and open up the Bible themselves. Yeah. Don't, don't go by what Chris Wright says or what Stephen Neal even says. Why don't you open up the Bible yeah, as a, you know, as leaders in your church, <laughs> let the Bible speak for itself. Let the Bible speak for itself and actually discover it together and say, what should uh, the course of our church be in the in this regard? Yep. So, Denny, let's touch base on some of these chapters here. Let's give people an idea of what we've written here. The introduction is based on really kind of a variety of case studies of actual experiences that you and I have had. Right. Where we've watched churches go through the process of calling everything as missions and how it affects the bottom line, in quotes, how it affects money. That's really something that we are using to talk about and ask the question, you know, what is missions? And does the definition of it really matter? And you start out in the first chapter talking about, do our definitions matter? So give us a little overview of that one. What what are you trying to put as a bottom line for that? Well, the issue I address here is that, I've already mentioned it, but when Jesus gave the Great Commission marching orders, was he conveying objective meaning to the church, or does he just intend for us to fill in the blanks and create our own idea of what missions is? And I think that's where we've gone with this. And one of the things we've discussed on several occasions, Denny, is that the type of looseness that we use with missiology would not be tolerated when it comes to other doctrines. Absolutely. Would you hit on that? Oh, yeah. I I think that people often would say, would fight to to the death, and rightfully so, on the concept of the Trinity, which is extra-biblical in the sense that the word itself doesn't appear anywhere. Right. However, the Trinity is all over the Bible, mm-hmm. from Genesis to Revelation, um, and it's, it's, it's explicitly brought forward, and we receive that in evangelicalism as given fact, and it's not even debated. But when it comes to missions— um, we take an extra biblical term like that, and uh, we quickly, I would say, tear it down. We're in an era right now of even missiology, of what I would say is an era where things are, we're kind of attacking it. We're tearing it down. We're trying to find something better rather than really uh, moving with what is obvious in the passage and applying it. And that comes from the fact that. You know, when you have missions, missionary, mm-hmm. you have images that are being presented in, uh, in culture as being highly negative, highly destructive, which we talk about that in our book, by the way. Right. Um, 
you know, it, it really is something that we need to push back on with facts and with truth. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an important part of what the book talks about. Right. So we contend that Jesus was giving clear, distinct marching orders when he said, make disciples of all nations. But how about this? So what's the big deal, Denny? Um, you guys are just wasting your time. You know, you're spinning your wheels. Uh, you guys are on a soapbox here. Is there really any danger in calling everyone a missionary? And so one of the chapters that I hit on, but we talked about this both a lot together, is so what? What are the implications? What's the result of calling everyone a missionary? Is there really any negative consequences? Well, I do think that I mentioned already by the use of the example in the body, it's going to definitely spend... Um, affect the way we spend our money. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that we have been told is ineffective is sending um, Western cross-cultural missionaries to other parts of the world. Uh, the church has bought what I think is a big lie that supporting quote-unquote native missionaries is the key. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if we do that, it's more efficient, it's more effective, they already know the language, well, the problem is with even kind of the oxymoron of native missionary. Right, know? absolutely. I, I mean, uh, if somebody is already indigenous— How can they be sent out? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's problematic. Uh, now, I do want to say that it's critical to understand that partnership in the gospel with those that are— um, culturally and ethnically mm-hmm. a part of a, um, a nation, by that we mean peoples, groups, mm-hmm. or a tribe, uh, that's really important. It's very, very critical so that they can carry on the work of the gospel and the work of missions in that setting. But what we're talking about is what's happening in the U.S., where what we have really is kind of what I, you know, you have titled in your chapter, So What?, Mercenary missionaries, maybe you want to talk a little bit more about that, because that's pretty strong. Yeah, I, I think when you, you know, there's been some problems with the native missionary model, there, there's been some real questioning of its effectiveness and things like that. But the big impact that I see is that when we hire proxy soldiers to fight a war that God has called us to participate in, we miss out on a great privilege, and our souls are poor because of it. When we say, I'm not going to fight in that war. I, I, I'm going to do missions on the cheap. I'm going to get some guys that are going to go ride bicycles and they'll be much more effective. I don't need to even send my sons and daughters. Uh, we miss out. Um, you know, th- there's an incredible bond of fellowship that comes with the father when we join in the family business, as we said. So yeah. I think that's a big problem. Well, and I think some of us who've lived for a while have seen the ads, even from some of them, which which says, you know, please don't come, you know, and the whole idea is that it makes no sense, the ads say, to spend 60000 of God's money annually to send an American, um, and it would, it's just likely, it would be better when we can support people who have 600 or less, but the question for us is, are they actually doing cross-cultural ministry? Are they actually walking and um, moving from where they're at into an entirely different culture and making that happen? Yeah, Denny, that's really interesting stuff. So we hope you've been encouraged today and stimulated. That's really our heart behind writing this book is that people would be provoked and uh, they would pick up the Bible and they would figure out for themselves what missions is. So we hope you tune in next time for our next podcast. 
You've been listening to Denny Spitters and Matthew Ellison discussing their book, which is available on Amazon or at whereeverythingismissions.com. Join us next month for the podcast, When Everything is Missions. Thank you.